Well, good morning, Crossroads again. How are you doing? If you could take out your Bibles this morning and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, and if you don't have a ministry notes, they're right outside the center doors there. You can pick up the, the, the um, bulletin right there. Um, I remember reading years ago that men spoke on an average about 7,000 words per minute. And I mean, per, uh, per day, not per minute, per day. And women... More than that, they speak between twenty to 25,000 words per day, which seems kind of a lot. And I thought if you counted all the words that men said underneath their breath, it probably would add up to about 25,000 words, huh? But there was another more interesting study that back in 2007 was an incredible study that said men and women speak about the same number of words per day between 14 and 15,000 words per day. And that sounds about right. So, ladies... You can kind of look at your husbands and say, I told you so. Just this one time. You can say, I told you so, that we always spoke about the same. Uh, we want to look at a, a new series this morning. We want to look at destructive words, and the series is called Acceptable Sins in Our World. It is interesting, if you had a list of top ten sins in our country, probably most of us would not list the sins that we commit, right? We were not listed. And yet there are acceptable sins within the church culture that we have today. We see around us. The greater culture has accepted all sins. Matter of fact, they celebrate most of them, don't they? But it shouldn't be so in the church. And yet there is acceptable sins inside of the church. That they, we, don't, uh, we don't put on our list, but they, we allow them to creep into our lives. And those are the things that we want to talk about in the next few weeks, kind of in, in through August. And I think it might go to the first week of September. If you could turn your Bibles, if you don't have them there, Ephesians chapter 4. When you look at the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul has divided this book in some very practical sections. The first three chapters is what Christ has done for us, and the last three chapters is how do we live a response to that? And, and matter of fact, many of the New Testament letters are written in that format, what Christ has done for us, and as a result, how does we respond to what Christ has done? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 begins the second section and it basically says now let's live lives worthy of our calling that we have in Jesus Christ and so Paul gets to the end of chapter 4 in Ephesians chapter 4 and he's addressing a number of things that have become part of the church and he's talking about lying he's talking about using destructive words he's talking about anger he's talking about stealing he's talking about having an unforgiving spirit and Paul was addressing all of these, and he says, unless we want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, we've got to change our behavior, is what he says. We've got to change our behavior. So is it possible that we as followers of Jesus Christ have allowed destructive words to become part of our lifestyle? In some sense, it becomes socially acceptable, but it should not be. And destructive words are one of those that we've allowed inside, even the church family many times. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 is our memory verse for this week. I'm going to be really staying in that verse most part. And I want to share a couple things from the Apostle Paul that he addresses this directly. Two things to do with your destructive words. Two things. If you have your outlines ready. The first one, you need to take out the garbage. Take out the garbage. I know sometimes people try to, what's the fill in the blank? And I doubt if you had that word there. Take out the garbage. I think for many of us as followers of Jesus Christ, we come to the conclusion our speech is okay as long as it don't include a profanity or vulgarity, that everything else is all right, right? Everything else is, is all right, whatever how we, else we want to speak. Where in our culture, we've made some of our words and, and some of our humor and some levels of our car sarcasm an art form that we celebrate. And we get excited about it. We can be sarcastic and say things to other people. 
And the Bible says it shouldn't be so if it's going to hurt and destroy other people. So we need to take out the garbage. Throw out the garbage. And Ephesians 4.29 is going to help us to do that. And the first part of the verse, it says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Thursday morning is garbage day at my house. I don't know what it's at your house. And uh, it's my job to take out the garbage. I don't know how I got the job, but it's my job to take out the garbage. So on Wednesday night, I kind of gathered, after we eat dinner, I kind of gathered the garbage from the bedrooms, the bathrooms, in the kitchen, and I put it in bags and make sure it's in bags. Then I take it out to the can that the, the town provides for us. And the can has to be out there by Thursday morning at 6 a.m., even though the garbage men don't come to 8 or 8.30 or whatever they want, right? But it's got to be out there at 6 a.m. But it's my job to take out the garbage. Like, who can mess up garbage, right? But it's my job to do that. And it's your job, too, to take the garbage talk out of your lives. He says here, he says, he says here in, in verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, is what he says. The English Standard Version uses corrupting words. So we have to understand what the word unwholesome or corrupting is in order to throw out the garbage, right? Unwholesome means rotten, putrid, or filthy words, any of those kind of things. In the original language, the word is used in Scripture. We find it in the New Testament, the book of Matthew, uh, two different occasions. One refers to a fruit that fell from a bad tree that's worthless. The other one is talking, referring to fish that could not be kept. They were worthless. They were being corrupting, so they had to be thrown out. They had to be thrown out. So what are unwholesome or corrupting words for us who are followers of Jesus Christ? What kind of words could they be? It certainly would be foolish talking, right? Foolish talk would be in there. It certainly would be words that cut. And that's literally what that means, words that cut, cutting words, cursing, profanity, bitterness, slander, gossip, words that injure, words that divide, bullying, all those things are included in that. And I believe as well those cutting words and unwholesome words are oftentimes words not spoken. You know, we all can communicate pretty well without using words, right? Husband and wives do that oftentimes, don't they? By just looking at each other a certain way, they communicate something, right? Or maybe rolling their eyes or kind of shrugging their shoulders or throwing up their hands or, or giving some kind of frown. And they communicate something in such a way that might be destructive. We're all responsible for that when we do that. Whoever we're communicating with, when we don't use words. And Jesus reminds us that we're all have to, going to have to give an account for every idle word that comes out of our mouth. For all 15,000 words a day that we use, we're going to be responsible for every one of those words. Are any of those words, words that cut, or words that tear down or injure somebody else. James writes in James chapter 4, verse 11, he says, Brothers, do not slander one another. And James and Jesus and Paul all talk about the fact that we're not to use words that, to cut, injure, or destroy people's lives, to cut them down in any way. Jesus said we're to love our neighbor. In fact, he says we're to love our enemies, right? We're to love all people. And if we love our neighbor, and if we love our enemies, doesn't it make sense that we should love our families? including our husband and our wife and our children, which means when we talk to them, our, our words cannot be based on what they, what, what they need to hear, but what we need to, our, our words cannot be based on what we need to share, but on what they need to hear. And so many times we base our words on what I need to share instead of what they need to hear, right? And, and that kind of describes a determin determining factor of what love is in our lives, is they need to hear what, I, what they need to hear is what we need to talk about, not what I need to share. And we have in our country so many times that we look at and we say this, that I just need to get this off of my chest. You ever say that? 
I just need to get this off my chest. And if I get this off my chest and tell them how I really feel, then I'm going to be, feel better, right? And meanwhile, the other people are hurt and diminished by what you said. But you feel great, right? You feel great because of what you did. Or somebody will say, you never have to guess what I'm thinking because I always will tell you. And you say, yeah, let us guess. Let us guess. Why don't you keep it to yourself? Sometimes we think that every thought goes through our head that we're to share it with other people, right? That that's, it's a thought, so I should share it. But there's many thoughts that we should never share with anyone else, should we? Because they will hurt and they will destroy someone. And we should not do that. So what is it that the other person needs to hear is what it is. Not what do I feel like I need to share. So do we love? That measures do we love them? Do we really love them? Are we so interested to say, I'm going to share what I feel because I really want them to know what I feel instead of what they need to hear. It's going to lift them up and build them up. Do we understand that our words that we use have the power of life? They have the power of death. They have the power to heal. They have the power to hurt. They have the power to shape a person's life and shape a person's direction in life. So he says, don't use destructive words. Don't use words that tear down or words that cut. Don't use those words because they destroy people's lives. It, maybe you ask, what happens when you have to address a problem? Because we have problems that come in life, right? Right? We have problems in families and marriages and workplaces. What happens when we have to address a problem? The key is addressing the problem without attacking the person. You can't attack the person. So we never can use words like you. You always do this. You hurt me this way. You did this. You did that. Because those words become explosive. It's like pouring gasoline on a fire. They hurt and they injure. And they help shape a person's life. And they remember them forever, the things that we share with them. So we can't do that. Address the problem, but don't attack the person. Don't attack the person. So throw out the garbage. And he's even I talk about that right now, even this week. Have you used words that hurt, that cut? or destroyed to other people, or to use words that lift others up. We have to throw out the garbage, right? We have to throw out the garbage. We have to watch the words that we use because they hurt other people. The second thing, second part of the verse, second thing to do with destructive words is replace the garbage with words of grace. Uh, and let's read Ephesians, the second part of verse 29. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Uh, that it may benefit those who listen to verse 29, the English Standard Version translated, and I like it, that it may give grace to those who hear. There are four things that I want to share with you about words of grace instead of words that cut that we should be sharing. And the first one, we need to use words that build up, that lift others up. It's just the opposite of unwholesome or corrupting words, words that cut, words that tear down. And so we use words that build up, words that encourage Words that give hope. Words that inspire people. Words that build up as we're supposed to use. And then a the second one is words that are according to others' needs. When I look at this, I look at my own life, and I can say I, I failed in this many times in my own life over the years. My words have always been timely. There have been times where I've overreacted. How about you? That I've overreacted to something, and I'll say words that aren't fit for the situation. I'll, I'll, I'll overreact to it. And, and I don't share words that are fit for that situation, for the gravity of the situation, and I'll respond in such a way that my words will hurt other people. And I've done that over the years, probably many times, more than I'd like to admit. And I think that's what he's talking about. You and I to use words that build up, use words that are according to the needs of others, that we're supposed to love. That before we're to speak, we're to stop. 
Stop before we say anything. Stop before we say anything back to anyone and say, now, am I going to share what I feel like sharing? Am I going to share what they need to hear? We need to share what they need to hear. That will build them up. That will encourage them. That will bless them. Not what I need to get off my chest and hurt them because I feel like I've got to get in my way or something. But words that encourage and build others up is what we need to do. The third is use words that benefit others. The English Standard Version says that it may give grace to those who hear. Proverbs 25:11 says, A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. It gives life. It gives grace. Grace was given to each of us that we might use our words to give grace to other people, that our words might benefit others and lift them up, that they might be better for the visit with us when they walk away. They feel better about themselves, better about the conversation, not the other way around where they're feeling down and hurt and all those kind of things. Here's the challenge that James talks about in James chapter 3. He says it's really hard to control our tongue. We all admit that. It's hard to control the tongue what comes out of this mouth sometimes. It's hard to control it. He said it's like a flaming fire. He said it's like a horse without a bridle. It's out of control. Our tongues are out of control. Somebody will say something, and we respond without even thinking, right? We say something that we should not have said. So how do we control the tongue? Jesus says, as well the writers of Proverbs tells us, that our words are expression of our hearts, that what comes out of our heart. And so it starts with our heart. If we can change our heart, then we can change our, our vocabulary, then it will change our words as well. So we have to change our hearts. So two things have to be going on simultaneously to change hearts. Do we get our hearts right? We need to control our tongue so that all of our words are uplifting to others, that they're building others up, and they're encouraging them. We see politicians, and I've talked about to you this before, politicians uh, uh, say something they didn't know a mic was on, they didn't know somebody was running a video camera, and they'll say something they should not have said. And first they try to deny they said it, but then the video comes up, and they say they can't deny it. Then they say, well, I was taken out of context. Or they say, I said that, but that's not me. I'm not the same person that it was before. I've changed, right? And you can say that if it was taken many years ago, and yeah, people change, but you can't say that if you'd said it just 10 minutes ago, right? What Jesus is, says, he says, it comes from our heart. The words that come out of our mouth when we get angry, and say, well, I was angry, and it just said, no, that's what's in your heart. What comes out of our mouth reveals what's exactly in your my heart. And sometimes God allows it to come out of our mouth and say, this is what's in your heart. That language, those words that tear people down, and we need to clean up the heart. So we need to work on the heart. We need to yield our heart to the Holy Spirit and have, a, have, us, have him clean us from the inside out to change our words as well when he does that, right? The fourth thing, he says, our words should never grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And chapter 4, verse 30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Let our words always be positive. Let them be uplifting. Let them be encouraging. Let them be a blessing. That we don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, eh, who's living within us. And that's our challenge. That's our challenge for this week. That's our challenge in life, to throw out that garbage, those destructive words that are in our life, and get rid of all those things, that we might live the life that God has called us. I remember reading a story of a Christian school teacher on a Friday ninth grade math class, when the school kids were all kind of wild and they're taking jabs at each other with the words. So she gave them assignments. She passed around the room a sheet of paper, and every student in the class uh, got one, and their name was at the top. And then she passed those sheets around the room, and every student was to write on that sheet of paper something nice about the other student. And so she 
she gathered all the papers at the end of the day, and then she put them all together. And so come Monday morning, she handed out those papers to each one of the students with their name at the top, and they began to read what the other students said about them, but it had to be something nice that they said. And there were some smiles. There was some laughter. There were some that said, boy, I didn't know they even liked me. And then they took those papers, they put them away, and nothing else was said. Well, years went by, and the teacher got word from her parents that when she returned from vacation, one of her students from that ninth grade math class had died in the Vietnam War. And so his name was Mark, and his parents had contacted her parents and asked if she would come to the funeral, and she said that she would, so she went. And at the funeral, there were the pallbearers there, the casket was there, they sang the Battle Hymn of the Republic, and, and then after that, the, the teacher was the last one at the casket to pay her respects. And while she was there, one of the pallbearers was a man in uniform they came up to her and said, are you the school teacher that taught, taught Mark math when he was in ninth grade? And she said, yes, I was. They said, he spoke about you all the time. And then the parents came up and brought his wallet, and out of the wallet they took a piece of paper and said he had this with him at his time of death. And she kind of takes it out, and it was really two pieces of paper that had been taped together, been folded and refolded and folded it. And she took it out, and you guess it, it was that list. She recognized right away it was the list that they had made. And then the students started gathering around their former teacher, and one student says, I still have my list in my top dresser drawer. No one says, I have mine, I put it in my diary. Another one says, I put it in my wedding album. Another one says, they, they took, looked in their purse, and they took it out, I carry my list with me all the time. They said, I think we all have our list. See, words matter. They really matter, the words that we share with people, and they remember them for a lifetime. We might have said words and moved on, but those words that we shared with them stayed with them, and they remembered them. And if they were cutting words, they were harsh words, we've cut them to the bone. We've hurt them tremendously, and they remember them for a long, long time. Think back to your own life. When someone said to you, you might have been a child, you're an adult now, you still remember those words, don't you? You still remember what they said, and they hurt you, and they stay with us for such a long time. That's why it's so important we watch our words. We get rid of them, get rid of those harsh words. You know, we come each and every week, and we come here, and we serve the Lord. Maybe we're talk with others. Maybe we're encouraging. Maybe we're praying with someone. And sometimes we wonder if what I'm doing is really making a difference. You ever think that? If it's really making a difference, let me just say that God orchestrates our connections with others. And through our words, he uses them to encourage and bless others. He does. The only way God can do and those who encourage you, God orchestrates those people to come in your life to encourage and bless you too. He uses those words. It just doesn't happen by chance. God orchestrates that connection of us running into that person or talking to that person. Even on Sunday morning today, God orchestrates that we come together. And sometimes we might be living our lives, and God says, I'm going to use you to encourage someone, to bless someone, to minister someone in a very mighty way way. And sometimes we don't even realize it, right, that God is doing it. We're just going about our day and just living, and God is using us in a very mighty way. Just a simple, encouraging, uplifting word we share with somebody, and it blesses somebody. We have no idea what it does to somebody just to say something kind to them. Destructive words are sinful. They're wrong. We need to throw out the garbage, amen? They need to be thrown out of our lives. We need to look at our lives and say, what words am I using? Our sarcasm many times. We need to get rid of those things. If it's hurting people, if it's insulting someone, if it's hurting someone's feelings, we need to stop it because it's sinful. 
And sometimes it creeps inside of the church, and we accept it, and we laugh, and, you know, we joke and stuff, and are joking about other people. It's never good because it hurts others. It may make us feel good, but that person we're joking with sometimes, they can take it the wrong way. We need to be careful that we don't hurt people. And that's what he's talking about here. But the positive, uplifting words, we can all do that, right? Say amen. We can all do that. We can all be positive, uplifting we need to write that note to someone or write that letter or make that conversation to someone. But before we do, before we respond, we need to think, what did they need to hear? Not what I need to share. And so many times are so interesting is what I like to, I really want to share this with them. But what do they need to hear is much more important. Not what I feel like sharing with them. Not what I feel like telling them. But what do they need to hear that's going to uplift them, make them feel better, bless them, encourage them, build them up. That's what they meant. And God will use those words that we use to bring healing and hope and encouragement and direction in people's life and to shape the heart of somebody for good and for God, for all of his glory. Amen? And we can all do this, not just some of us. Every one of us in this room can do this. We can make the decision today. So I'm going to throw out that garbage, those words, those destructive words in my life, and I'm not going to use them against my husband or my wife or my children or my parents or my co-workers or my neighbor or family members, whoever. Many times it's the, those who are closest to us that we hurt the most, don't we, with our words, that we share them. And it's not right. It's sinful when we do that. We may think we won the battle, but we lost before God. God said, why did you do that? Why did you hurt them like that? Stop and think, what do they need to hear and not what I need to share? That's what's so important. So let, let's ask God to work in our hearts and our minds and to use our words, to bless, to encourage, to lift others up for the glory of God. But if you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can't be used by God until you have a relationship with Him, right? That's the first, first part. You've got to have a relationship with Him. And the only way to have a relationship with God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. That we all come and realize that we're sinners. Every one of us, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners. And because of our sin, it separates us from a holy, just, righteous, perfect God. God is perfect in all his ways. He's in another category. And because we're sinners, we cannot approach him because he's good. He's holy and just, and we are not. We're sinners by nature. And so there's nothing we can do. So God sent his son Jesus into the world, who is perfect, righteous, and good. And who is God? And he came into the world and took on the form of a human being, and he went to the cross. And all those sins, all those destructive words that I've shared, all those things that I've done wrong, all my sins, actions, deeds, thoughts, motives, all those things are placed upon Jesus, and Jesus died on the cross. He was your substitute on that cross. He paid your sin debt for every one of us. And now that's God's grace, and we respond by coming to him and receive Jesus Christ by faith, the Bible says. So if you have never done that today, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, please do that. You know, every one of us, the Bible says, is going to have to, what do we do with Jesus, determines where we're going to spend eternity. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you've determined that I'm spending my eternity with Jesus forever, with God forever. Sins forgiven, I'll be eternity with him. It's what we do with Jesus. It's what you do with Jesus today. And we can either accept what he did, that he's the son of God, that he died on the cross for our sins, and accept him by faith. Or I can reject him, and by rejecting him, you're spending an eternity without him forever. Forever lasting, right? Forever. Not just a short time. Not for this life. For eternity. Or to ignore him or just look the other way, not do anything about it, is to reject him. And we can all do that too. We can reject And it means I'm spending eternity apart from him. The only way we're going to spend an eternity with him, 
with Jesus in heaven, with God in heaven, is through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets to heaven except through me. It's only through Jesus Christ. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, please do that today by just acknowledging, I'm a sinner, and Jesus is the Son of God, and he died on the cross for my sins. And today, by God's grace, I accept him as my Savior. If you've never done that, please do that today. If you have questions about that, guys, please come and see me. That's the most important question of all. It determines where you and I are going to spend eternity, with him in heaven or apart from him for eternity, not for a short time, for eternity. So please, if you've never done that or you don't understand it, please come and see me.